Dynasty Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, and joined as always today by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. We're four weeks in now. I think we're we're starting to see some trends with players and teams and, and our fantasy teams as well. Uh, I know some of my teams are off to surprising starts, and, and that's not such a good thing. It's a, <laughs> it's a bad surprise for me on a couple of my teams. We've got a lot of players that that are off to surprising starts as well. Yeah, you know what? I was listening to football guys. Sig, you know, Sig Bloom has his on the couch, and he had Evan Silva on this week. And I was listening this morning, and he basically started the show with everyone in fantasy stinks right now. <laughs> like everyone's teams are a mess. All the all the questions that Evan and Sig are getting about their redraft teams are negative. You know, my team crumbled. I took Gurley. I took Gronk. I took Keenan Allen. You know. All these high, you know, high investment players aren't really coming through. Yeah, that has to be. I don't. I don't play much redraft anymore, but that yeah. would have to be really frustrating, even more frustrating for those seasonal players or redraft players, because you you know you invest these early picks and you don't have the depth that a lot of dynasty teams do, and your season's over before it, before it even started. So that just has to be frustrating. You know, I can see why many people in redraft leagues just give up after six weeks or so. Yeah, and you can see why daily has gotten so big now, too. And and you kind of think about it like, what what took daily so long to grow this quick? You know, I mean, uh, by week four, I'm in one redraft league. I'm in last place. I'm one in three. And in that league, you need – it's most points is really the guy that wins the most. I have the least points in the league. And, and – you know, I've had three or four big injuries, you know, Moncrief and Allen, and, you know, I just have a hard time even fielding a starting unit. Yeah, definitely some surprises already this year, and and that's part of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we don't have a guest, but Matt and I are going to take uh, your questions. We reached out to you guys on Twitter and got a lot of, uh, a lot of great questions to what's going on in uh, the NFL and in Dynasty Leagues uh, right now, and we're going to try to answer as many of those as we can. So Matt, we'll we'll jump right in. And our first question comes from Alec O. And he says, who are the players you would rather have over Mike Evans in a dynasty league right now? Evans is one of the few players who is off to a good start. And, you know, he was, I guess he was a first round pick in most dynasty leagues, probably a borderline first or second round pick in redraft leagues. And he is he is living up to that uh, that value and maybe even exceeding that. He is currently the uh, wide receiver six in PPR leagues, and uh, among those dynasty players that are in his range, and we're talking about Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, he's probably the one that's playing the best. So at this point, I, I know you're an Evans fan already. How do you value him in dynasty, and and who would you if if you're doing rankings right now? or looking at a possible trade, who would you value over him? It'd be tough. You know, I am a huge fan, and I actually uh, – I do my Locked On NFL pat podcast every day, and today was Power Rankings Day. And since it was a quarter mark, I, you know, my, my, I told the audience that my, my comment was going to be one thing really positive about your franchise. This has nothing to do with fantasy. And, you know, there wasn't a lot to get super excited about with the Bucks. And the thing that I was, you know, the, the number one thing for me to get excited about with them is Winston to Evans. You know, for the next 
eight, ten years. And both guys are still really young. Evans entered the league at a young age. I mean, he's a touchdown machine, uh, a very good player. Looks like him and Winston have trimmed down and are playing well. Winston's forcing a lot, and they just don't have much else in the offense right now, especially with Martin being out. But they still feed Evans. I mean, even when Patrick Peterson guarded him, I think he had 16 targets. <laughs> so that's like worst-case scenario. Um, I would have – I mean, to me, he's an easy dynasty first-rounder. His stock has actually gone up where guys like Cooper and especially Hopkins – I think Hopkins' stock has fallen with Fuller there. Um, I, I Maybe he'd be my fifth pick overall right in that neighborhood. I mean, uh, I'm still taking Odell over him. Are you taking Allen Robinson over him? I think uh, Odell is still the top pick. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen some talk that maybe he's not deserving of that, but he's still my number one dynasty player and, and would be my number one pick in a new draft. For me, some of those names I already mentioned, Robinson, Cooper, uh, those guys would be in the conversation. So I guess sure. I could see I could see Evans as high as two. I don't think that's crazy. Uh, of course, obviously, a lot of people would mention Julio and Antonio Brown. Obviously, they're both, again, performing at a high level. If it's a brand-new dynasty league, I'm not taking a 27- or 28-year-old player in the first round. I'm just not. So right, right. I would have Evans valued over those guys. So, yeah, I guess probably second. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, the more you lay it out, yeah. I mean, I'd, I respect Julio. I respect Antonio Brown, but I'm with you. It's just a philosophical thing that, you know, yeah, I'd rather have them for the, the rest of this year and probably next year. But in terms of where would I use a draft pick, I think I take him over Cooper. I think I take him over Robinson. I, I trust Winston. That's surprising. You know, I mean, I hadn't laid it out like that before, but that's where he belongs. Well, you said one thing regarding Winston that I want to come back to, but really quickly, I do just want to cite um, our uh, Dynasty League football, Dynasty ADP. Um, I yes. mentioned that a lot throughout the offseason. We actually do in-season ADP as well. So we've got some drafts going right now. Most of them are are at the halfway point or, or at least maybe even getting close to the end. So we've got some ADP for those top players. Evans was the fourth overall player. So he was behind Beckham, Brown, and Julio. Which I understand. You know, I mean, right. most people would do that. Yes, I, I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with anybody that wanted to take those two guys ahead of him or – or ahead of everybody. That's I, I totally get that. But, but consensusly, he's going ahead of Robinson and Cooper and obviously. Right, Sam. right. Yeah. That's what I wanted to note. So he's he's ahead of Robinson. Uh, he's ahead of Hopkins, who came in at the fifth spot. Cooper uh, is seventh, I believe. So he's yeah, he's ahead of all those those other young wide receivers, other than Beckham, who has held down that top spot now for uh, for over a year. Uh, I wanted to get back to your Winston point, though. So you said you trust Winston. There's been talk this week, I'm sure you've seen it, that uh, the coaching staff is concerned. Winston's turning the ball over too much. And we even saw some of those same things a year ago. And I didn't necessarily remember this, but I read something that was saying that a year ago they kind of pulled back the reins on Winston. They ran the ball more, which was easier to do when you have a healthy Doug Martin. Does that concern you at all with Winston as far as his future and as far as his impact on Mike Evans? No, I'm still very much a believer. Uh, he was like that at Florida State. You know, he'd throw a couple picks and get himself in a hole and then, you know, in the fourth quarter would play his best. I mean, he he was a, a pitcher, a closer in baseball 
and has that mentality. I mean, that he's always going to be his best late in games when it matters most. And my thoughts on it are he's always going to throw picks. I, I just think that's who he is. Not that he's Brett Favre, but he's not bashful. I mean, he's going to throw the ball to the other team, probably less going forward as he gets more and more acclimated to the game. But I feel like he's almost playing left-handed right now, too. I mean, that offense is a slow-developing 1980s run-the-ball, go-deep, um, not quick hitting, get it out of your hand type of offense. And with that, they really need, and it shows in the offseason, they gave him a lot of money, they need a lead back. And I like Sims a lot as a player, but he's not that guy. You know, they need Emmett. You know what I mean? And Doug Martin's that type of player. And they, without it, yeah, I think Winston is just forced to do way too much, not to mention the Bucks' pass defense is horrible. And even more so, I'm not sure that Vincent Jackson's in the league next year. Um who else is – I mean, the offense doesn't have anything except these two guys, and I feel like they have no choice when they're down by a ton that he's going to throw picks. And I think he's, you know, slowly gets better, but I still think he's going to be a very good player, Winston. That seems like a, a team that has to, you know, either draft a wide receiver early next year or or maybe spend some free agency dollars mm-hmm. on, on one. I agree with Jackson. Uh, I mean, he just looks totally dumb. Yeah, if yeah. I've seen – you know, you don't even have to watch a whole game to, to figure that out. He's He's got a piano on his back. Yeah. He he is struggling. He's not, you know, he's not taking any of that attention away from Evans at all. But along these lines, just because while we're talking about this, and you know the, the the college guys better than I do, let's say they pick seventh overall. I'm just pulling a number out of my hat, and they take Juju. You know, that doesn't take away from your Evans love, does it? Or does it even help it? No, it doesn't take away at all. Um, right. You know, and, and honestly, I don't. I mean, Juju's not having the best year either. As much as yeah, I don't even know that. I mean, yeah, as much as whoever the best him. receiver is, right? Well, I think I think most people at this point would say it's Mike Williams, the Clemson okay. kid. He missed the entire year last year with a pretty serious neck injury. But he's the one that hit the goalpost, right? Yes, yes, okay, okay. yeah. Wow. So he's he's back playing at a high level. Played well against Louisville last weekend. I think most people would probably favor him as the top wide receiver off the board. I'm, I don't know if that would be in the seventh overall or in the top 10, but you know, we've, we've got a long time until, until that plays out. Sure. Sure. They certainly have to find some wide receiver help though. I think you signed Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. Well, the bears don't seem to want him. So <laughs> right. They don't do it. Next question comes from Craig Southwick. I'm in some leagues with Craig. Uh, he wants some suggestions for Rob Gronkowski owners who are both contending or not contending. And he notes um, that Ross Tucker's comments are a little worrisome for him. Uh, I didn't hear Ross's comments. I'm not sure if you did, but. Uh, I go out of my way to ignore Ross as much. Okay. As All right. I, I had enough of him during our ESPN days. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we, <laughs> I had to talk to him every day, five days a week. That's plenty. <laughs> we have heard some reports <laughs> this week that, that Gronk is not fully healthy. That hamstring is still bothering him. You know, he's played the past two weeks and has one catch for 11 yards in those two games, uh, obviously hurting fantasy owners and not doing much for the Patriots either. I think if you're a contending team with Gronkowski, it's really easy because there's so many cheap tight ends that are that are playing and performing like starters. So, you know, you bite the bullet and you, you know, you send a, a late second for Cameron Bright or you send a, you know, maybe a couple thirds for Pitta, a couple thirds for... Uh, Jacob Tammy, Jack Doyle, you know, all these guys are performing as tight end ones and can be had 
I, I would imagine pretty cheaply. Uh, even Jason Witten has always been a tight end one. He's never been out of that top 12 in his entire career. So if you're a contending team, you just go get one of those cheap guys. You know, I'm, I'm probably not going to go spend for Greg Olson or Jordan Reed, one of those guys like that. Uh, I'm just going the cheap route until Gronk comes back. To me, he's like the definition of a hold. You know, like you said, if you're – you said that really well. If you're a contender, there's plenty of guys that will get you through. I mean, go call one of the teams that are 1-4 or 0-4, you know, or 1-3 and or 0-4 oh and, and get their, you know, second or third tight end. They'll get you through. Um, obviously, Gronkowski is not healthy. Bennett has really picked up a slack. I mean, or Bennett. You know, that'd be great to have them both. Um, but Brady is coming back. If you're not a contender, though, this is the worst time in his whole career to sell him. You can't sell him right now. You know, I mean, you're not going to get nearly enough for the guy. At some point in this season, his value is going to spike. He's going to catch three touchdowns in week seven or week eight. And then maybe if you're looking to move him, that's the time. But the timing couldn't be worse. Yeah, I agree. I would not consider selling him either way. Um, So, yeah, if you're contending, go get a cheap cheap guy that's performing if you're not contending just just wait it out you know take your losses end up with that early pick and and consider selling Gronk when he is healthy and when he is putting up some big numbers our next question comes from the dynasty dictator he wants uh, your thoughts on Brandon Cooks and Devin Funchess I know both of those guys are players that you are a fan of or have been a fan of and he mentions you know is this what we're seeing from them is it normal progression, those typical ups and downs, or is there a real, excuse me, a real cause for concern out of those two? Uh, that's not an easy one either. Um, I love Cooks. I am, didn't love Funches. Then I started to warm up to him. Now I'm starting to cool down on him. I just think that he might be a guy that always struggles to get separation and – is he good enough at the catch? Can he be Brandon Marshall? That's asking a lot for a guy that isn't consistently open. I think Cooks has just had a rough slate of games. I think Cooks is a great guy to go by right now. Yeah, I agree on Cooks, especially. With Funches. you know, he's a guy that we talked a lot about this offseason. It became a conversation of Funches versus Benjamin. I know you were on the Funches side. Yeah. I, I was honestly kind of sitting in the middle. I didn't really want either one of those guys. I don't think – I think I have either I think maybe I have Benjamin on one team I don't think I have punches at all so I was pretty much just avoiding uh, both of those guys but Benjamin has been uh, he started out great you know he's the wide receiver one after two games week three he didn't have a catch at all he went most but, but that was against the Vikings you know they just held Odell to 23 yards yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair yeah uh, last week he went most of the game without a catch he, he didn't really uh, pile up those numbers until Derek Anderson came in and it looks like Anderson has a chance to play this week with, with Cam Newton uh, having a concussion. So just your thoughts on Benjamin. He's obviously been a surprise to you based on what you were expecting. Can he keep that going? Were you wrong on him, or is this kind of fluky? I just wrote an article about the Panthers overall, obviously not fantasy-related at all. You know, lots of concern. Are the Panthers done? Or, you know, along with the Cardinals, too. I mean, these guys are one and three. Is their season over? And there's a couple big things wrong with the Panthers right now. And just on the offensive side of the ball, 
you know, they, they almost asked Cam to be Superman, and believe it or not, he isn't. You know, and he's taken such a beating that the Vikings would come to mind. The Denver Broncos come to mind. Took a big hit now, and now he's facing a concussion. Their tackles are not playing well, and really they're just not good players. But that was the case last year. I think a huge key to that offense is Jonathan Stewart coming back. You know, all the play action they run, all the run first stuff that I could see a lot of the other problems going away when he returns. And that could be sooner than later. Um, So I think the passing game as a whole, Benjamin in particular, probably has some fruitful days ahead, assuming Newton's going to be there, you know, maybe not this week, but going forward. It's really surprising that they did not address that backup running back position this offseason. Yeah, I mean, they've they've got a guy who played well last year, mainly stayed healthy last year. But behind him, you know, Fozzie Whitaker, who's who's just a, just a guy. They've got Cameron Artis-Payne. Uh, most people think of him as a young running back because he was a rookie last year, but he was a 25-year-old rookie who didn't play well. So, you know, now they're just playing with fire. They were playing with fire going into this season with with no real backup. And now, you know, now they're paying the price because of that. Yeah, and I've said that over and over, and I said it on draft day. I mean, that seemed like – I mean, take Jordan Howard in the third or fourth round. You know, (laughs) I mean, there was plenty of them to pick from. I imagine they won't make that mistake this year, but they were also flooding their roster with defensive backs, which aren't working out, but they needed them because they got rid of Josh Norman, which still doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, I mean, you could – I think it's a very strong organization, but you can question a few of their recent moves. Another debate that was a pretty hot one this offseason was between the two wide receivers on the Detroit Lions, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, who they signed away from Cincinnati. Uh, There was a a lot of question about which would be the top receiving threat in Detroit and for Matthew Stafford. Uh, Bradley Johnson wants to know what value does Golden Tate hold now? That debate has easily been decided. Marvin Jones Jones is uh, one of the big surprises of the season. He's uh, he's a top 10 wide receiver. Uh, he's a top five wide receiver, in fact, in fantasy. And, and Tate got benched last week. So that's that's the disparity we're looking at between those two guys now. In that ADP I mentioned, and that's those drafts were started last weekend, so just before the week four games. Golden Tate still has a value of uh, an ADP of 70 overall, which I was really surprised by. He, he's being drafted ahead of Michael Crabtree and Eric Decker, some other guys who maybe are a little more reliable. Of course, Decker's health is in question right now. But I so, bet you couldn't trade Tate for Crabtree right this second. No, I, I, would, not, <laughs> I would not think so. Right. But there will probably be some people citing that that ADP on DLF to their elite <laughs> mate saying, you know, this is a good deal for you. but Right. I don't think they're going to say yes to that one. It it doesn't always work that way. So is Tate really just a complimentary receiver? And and if that's the case, you know, why, why are we seeing this huge drop in production and these struggles? You know, he's, he's still getting the targets, but I mean, he's catching like two of eight targets, one of six targets. It's, it's bad from an efficiency standpoint. It's really bad. And I also saw a stat and I wish I could quote who it was that, He's amongst the lead leaguers, lead lead leaders, lead leaders in targets. Quote that were uncatchable. You know, like Stafford th- overthrow him or just missed him, or so. Some of that I think is bound to regress back to the norm. 
but the fact that there's seems like there's bad blood there now and he's not getting as many you know he's quote getting benched I don't know and they just lost to the Bears so I have faith in that passing game I actually thought Tate was the clear choice in the offseason between Tate and Jones and I also think Jones is slightly inflated if you look at that Packer game he had some really favorable matchups is where he did most of his damage and he had a long touchdown where the corner fell down like I really like Jones and he's been a great pickup and clearly he's their one but I think his he might be more of a sell for me than people are you know than everyone else seems to think I, I what I'm saying is I think the gap from the Jones to Tate isn't as great as public perception thinks right now that by week 10 or so, I bet that starts to even out a little more. Cause I think this is a good football player that fits what they want to do. Yeah, I agree. I especially agree with Jones being a sell, you know, his, um, I was yeah. actually looking for his, uh, brand new ADP. He's obviously, you know, he's obviously increased in value. His ADP is 29. So he's looking like a mid third rounder. That's way up from, the off season and and obviously uh tate's is way down tate was being drafted ahead of jones in virtually all those dynasty drafts that we saw this off season so that's a change in in value there jones had that 200 yard game uh in week three against the packers pass defense which is which is terrible uh, especially without shields i mean his other games are you know he's got a four for 85 game eight for 118 and five for 74. so he's he's obviously a good solid fantasy yeah. wide receiver but if you can sell him and maybe even package him and get one of those elite guys you've got to do that do you think tate is a buy though i mean is it worth throwing out a cheapy offer for 80 percent of his value or are you staying away I mean, it would have to be cheap for me. It would like mid second, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think I sold him for a late first, you know, before the season. I think that was kind of his going rate. And now he's dropped at least that much, I would think. You know, a random 17 seconds might get it done. Yeah. I think that's probably fair now. Let's you know what about- else is a buy? Come to think of it. I bet you do. <laughs> it's Loot Crate. You're right. And if you are going to go to Loot Crate and buy, you go to www.lootcrate.com backslash Dynasty Blueprint. Enter the code Dynasty Blueprint to save $2 off your new subscription today. That's already less than 20 bucks a month. And this month, it's all about scary stuff, Ryan. If you're looking for gear, collectibles, housewares, and more for your favorite pop culture franchises, we've got you covered. Loot Crate offers a, ra- a wide range of geek and gamer items for less than 20 bucks a month which is even cheaper when you use our code. Want to bring the Loot Crate to the next level? Get bigger box with even bigger loot from Loot Crate DX, which is kind of my size. If you're more the type to wear your geeky heart on your sleeve, then Loot Wear, our monthly wearables and accessory subscription, is what you're looking for. And this month, the chill running down your spine isn't just your imagination. It's Loot Crate's October theme horror. We're taking over 40 years of creepy, bloody icons and putting them in this month's crate. Channel your best final girl with items from The Walking Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Halloween. So you have until 19, uh, 9 p.m. Pacific time to get this deal and, and be in on the horror theme. Again, go to lootcrate.com slash dynastyblueprint and save $2 off an already cheap monthly fee. So, I don't like horror movies. Ever since I was a kid, I can't watch horror movies. I can't sleep. No, I'm a, I'm a baby. Yeah, I'm a baby. <laughs> 
All right, let's talk about one of your favorite topics, Kenneth Dixon, the yeah. rookie running back. Yeah, rookie running back for the Ravens. He's been a hot topic this week all over Dynasty Twitter, Fantasy Twitter. There's some big expectations for this guy. So he got injured in the preseason. He is set to make his return this week. The Ravens released Justin Forsett yet again. You know, I like Dixon quite a bit coming out. I thought he was probably the um, the running back three. I like I liked Henry a little bit more, but I thought he was the third uh, rookie running back. Like the spot, I thought he had a great opportunity, mostly because I didn't think much of Forsett or these other guys in in Baltimore. And I think that's I think that's really what's leading to this this growing hype is you know Terrence West is he's not that good. And Justin Forsett's gone now. You know, Buck Allen couldn't even get on the field the first couple of weeks. So how good can he be? But I think the hype is maybe even overblown. Uh, Jason P. wants to know, will Dixon take over in Baltimore? His ADP is 82 right now. He's being drafted uh, right between Jamal Charles and Christine Michael. Uh, so that's kind of where he's being valued in in dynasty leagues. I know you like the guy. Do you think he, Do you think the hype is too much right now? No, I think it's not enough. I, I, maybe I'm driving the, the hype train and just throwing coal right in the fire and cruising down the tracks. But I like the player a lot, kind of like you said. I mean, I thought he was more or less the third back in this class. But I like the opportunity and the fit even more because a Tressman offense, they always throw to the back a ton. I mean, think Matt Forte. And this guy's really, really good in the passing game. This is a smart organization, and everything that they're telling us is, you know, we we have our two backs. It's West and Dixon, and I think Dixon goes past West quickly. I mean, maybe not this week. I mean, if he's on your on your bench, I would think I'd leave him there for this week. But I bet by – when you and I are talking in week six or seven, we'll be like, Dixon's clearly the lead back in, in Baltimore. And, and the line's getting better. Yonda's already a beast. The first-round pick Stanley's playing well when he was in there, and he's supposed to come back. Um, and I trust Tressman a lot. I mean, I think it just equals running back production. Um, the one thing that surprises me though, is Christine Michael's still pretty low. I mean, I would think Michael would have gotten drafted much earlier than that. Yeah. I was surprised by that as well. He's like I said, way down there at 83, he's behind Dixon, Charles, and he's been behind both Cincinnati running backs who had almost wow. a, an exact ADP. They were both right around 81, uh, Hill and, and Geo. Tevin Coleman is up there. Thomas Rawls is still ahead of him. I was surprised by that one as well. So I don't have the exact count, but he it looks like there's probably 20 running backs ahead of Dixon and Michael there in the, the mid-80 or early 80s range. I mean, I know no one's doing a startup right now, but that seems like the ideal time to start getting your first backs. You know, like if I had a bunch of receivers and I ended up with Michael and Dixon, I'd be doing cartwheels. Right. Well, I don't think this ADP, like we mentioned earlier with the the – Crabtree and Golden Tate thing. I don't think this ADP can be used necessarily as as a trade chart, but it at least right, gives right. you a good idea of who's gaining value, who's losing value, and maybe who's being undervalued. So Michael might be one of those guys, and, and Dixon might even be one of those guys. The DLF people are so good, but I would think it's almost impossible to actually keep up. You know, Rawls goes down this week. I mean, how do you actually keep up with data that's dead on to the minute? I mean, it's, yeah, I mean well, right, it's impossible. Right, you can't just because, I mean, the, I've talked about the process for these before, but I run six mock drafts. There are 20 rounds each. There's okay. 12 people in each one. So, you know, we're, we're talking about 
72 people drafting and these are all s slow drafts. So, I mean, these drafts take seven to 10 and sometimes 14 days. So yeah, by the time those are, those are done, some of the data is, is already out of date, but that's, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. And obviously we do the best we can with that. I wanted to go back to Dixon really quickly. A lot of the talk about him is coming from the seasonal guys, not necessarily the dynasty community. So if, if you're playing in a redraft, it sounds like you still think he's a guy that can help you and be a difference maker down the stretch. Is that correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. And uh, I, I, I saw one, somebody on Twitter again, I wish I could remember who that was, but somebody called him a league winner to come, you know, going down the stretch, he could be a, a true difference maker. So we'll see what happens with Dixon. I, I agree with you. I think he has to take over that job pretty quickly. And that says more about the current backs in, in Baltimore than maybe than him. I mean, for example, in my, the one redraft league I'm in, I took him and I've been sitting on him the whole time, you know, gleefully, you know, and I took him not even in the last round or two. I think I took him in like the 12th round or so and knowing he'd missed the first month. I th I don't know if he could be a league winner, but I think he could be uh, RB1. All right, let's move on. We've got a question from uh, Dynasty Trades at Dynasty Trades, which is uh, one of my coworkers over at DLF, Eric Burtzlaff. And Eric says- A great follow, by the way. Yes. I highly recommend following them. They, they pump out a lot of trades that are fun to look at, and they do a great job. Eric says, where do you have digs valued in a dynasty startup? And at that price, is that a buy or a sell? So his ADP, again, in this, this October uh, data is 23 overall. So that would obviously put him in the late second round. Uh, you know, I know we talked about digs quite a bit when we had Eric Dickens on. That's a little too pricey for me. I like a lot of what I've seen from him. I still don't know if that offense can support a top top echelon receiver like he's being valued. He he is currently the wide receiver 12. A lot of that is thanks to that, uh, I think it was week three game where he really went crazy, mm -hmm. had such a huge game. So in the late second round, I'm probably selling at that point. What do you think? Yeah, a little pricey, you know, considering the other people getting drafted in that area. Slightly unproven. But, you know, I used to look at this offense and think, boy, they're going to be, you know, try to win 13-10. Bradford looks better every time you watch him. I mean, he's throwing really, really well. Great command of the offense. The offensive line's starting to come around. Rudolph looks like he's ready to break out. Um, you still have Treadwell looming there that, you know, in the second half of the season, maybe he becomes a big factor. And Diggs is the man. You know, I mean, they don't run the ball very well. Diggs is the guy. So, I mean, I think if you do draft him in that area – you're not going to hate yourself for it. I don't think you're going to regret it. I don't think he's going away. I don't think he's a flash in the pan, but that's pretty pricey. You know, I just, this is kind of unrelated, but I, I was just reminded of this off season when you wrote, you wrote an article and you called the Vikings roster, the best in football outside of the quarterback position. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I would be the first to admit I'm not one that, you know, I, I don't follow the defense, the defensive side of the ball all that closely. I certainly don't know a ton about offensive line other than what I what I need to know in regards to running backs and, and things like that. But I was shocked by that. You know, I was really surprised that you had them ranked that high. They look like the best team in football, and I'm not sure it's even close right now. 
I'm still really, really high on Seattle and New England. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, their defense is I, – I see three elite defenses in this league right now, and that's Seattle, Denver, and Minnesota. And Minnesota's might be the best of all of them. Really well coached. I actually thought, like, when I wrote that article, I had higher hopes for Treadwell. <laughs> you know, I mean, he hasn't done anything yet. I love them like you. Like you, I mean, with our dynasty way of looking at things, we love them coming out of school. I thought he'd be a higher impact guy than he has been. That includes Adrian Peterson when I wrote that article. He's not there. And they put a lot into their offensive line. And it was really bad last year. I expected it to be better. So in some ways, that art, it has, they haven't lived up to the article that I wrote. But in other ways, they've surpassed it, especially on defense. And then, oh, by the way, they pick up Sam Bradford, who's playing really well. Well, what they've done with, you know, they've gotten nothing from Treadwell. They've gotten nothing from Teddy Bridgewater, of course. Right. Or Peterson. Peterson. Peterson goes down virtually nothing from him. He was struggling even before he got hurt. Ryan Khalil is, is down and injured, and they just keep winning. You know, the Broncos are that that defense that if your guys are playing the Broncos, just just sit them. You know, don't even don't even play right. those guys in in fantasy. And it's becoming the same thing with the with the Vikings. Just don't don't risk it. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add to it. I mean, they're great at every level. What's interesting about their defense too is. A lot of these guys that are in their second, third year that were high draft picks are all hitting their prime together. You know, Kendricks and Barr and Hunter and, you know, all these guys, the whole defensive backfield, basically. So they're not going away soon. All right. Our next question is uh, in regards to the 2017 draft, which we've, we've talked a lot about on here. And Alec wants to know, what's your list of players that you consider equal to a random 2017 first so players that you know not not knowing maybe where the pick might be mm-hmm. who are you flipping or, or or maybe who are you buying for that random 2017 first rounder well let's answer this as though we're pretty much a contender you know what i mean i mean if your team's a total rebuild that's not a move you'd make anyways so let's operate under the assumption that we have a pretty good team we think we can win it this year we have Joe Blow's first-round pick. We don't have ours. We traded it for Joe Blow's. It's a r- total random pick. We don't know what it's going to be. Would we trade that random pick to add Rob Gronkowski or, you know, whoever we think? I don't think I would trade it for any quarterback, would you? Would you trade it for Newton or Wilson? I mean, unless you're really hurting there. Yeah, probably not. Um, and, I mean, it do- that I'd, doesn't I'd like mean that, that Wilson, you – Right. That doesn't mean that you can get, get those guys – for less than a first, it just means if I need a quarterback, I'm probably not giving up a first rounder for anybody. And I mean, I think you could even get Stafford or, or Matt Ryan. Those guys are both playing at a high level. I think you can get those guys for a second rounder and, and a little something. Because of that, I would say no to quarterbacks. I would probably say no to every tight end except Gronkowski. Jordan um, Reed? You know, I just I just Which can't make – Actually, the next question, too. So. Right. I just can't – I can't make myself – be a buyer on Jordan Reed. I'm just, I'm too scared off by the concussions. I've got some shares of him. Yeah. I'm enjoying those because he, he, I think he's the tight end too right now in fantasy. He's playing at a high level. It just knowing that next hit could be his, his last is pretty scary. And I couldn't do it for Olsen. No, no, I wouldn't either. So for me, I guess this question, I, I think of it more in a startup draft point of view so typically I would say that a sixth or seventh rounder is worth that random first. 
But then when I look at this ADP, I think you I think you have to go higher than that. You know, yeah. even the, the guys that are being drafted in the 40s, we're talking about Jeremy Macklin, Reed, we just mentioned, Treadwell, Luck, Josh Dotson, Michael Floyd, Michael Thomas. Uh, Carlos, None of them. Yeah, Carlos Hyde. Those are all the guys between 40 and 50. I'd have a hard time buying really any of those guys for a random first unless I was confident it would make the difference in a, in a championship run. I could see someone saying, yeah, I'll give it my first for Doxon, but that doesn't accomplish your goal. You know, that doesn't help you win right now. Or right. You know, Michael Thomas, I think, I wouldn't sell him for any less than that. But And I think he could help you this year. But he's not the guy that you go get. You know, that he, he wouldn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of a lateral move. Well, then even looking higher than that, Randall Cobb, I'm, I'm sure some people, most people, in fact, would have a hard time giving up a first for him right now. And I understand that, even though uh, he's my guy. He's, he's, he's struggling. He is struggling. Um, yeah, that's, that's a rough spot. Um, and, and then I think once you go higher, now, now we're in the mid-30s and we're talking about guys who would certainly cost a first uh, or more. Uh, Will Fuller, Melvin Gordon, Devontae Freeman, uh, Devontae Parker, Shepard, some of these young guys that are playing well. So, you know, that's that's really a tough question to, to answer because things like that are so league dependent and team dependent as well. Uh, but that's a neighborhood. You know, those yeah. guys you mentioned. Right. Like I, I would gladly trade a random first for Fuller right now. Oh, yeah, me too. You know, he's a star. I mean, I can make an argument either way on Gordon or Parker. I'm kind of the same way what I mentioned with quarterbacks is really my strategy with running backs too. I'm very unlikely to go out and get one of those top running backs just because I'd rather buy a cheaper one who can maybe give me, you know, 75% of that production. I think Freeman's a good one though. I mean, I could certainly see if I'm a pretty good team spending my first round pick, starting Devontae Freeman, whether Coleman's healthy or not, every game the rest of the way, and maybe winning it all. And he isn't and should still be worth something next year. You know, he's not Adrian Peterson or Jamal Charles or, you know. Well this you know, this was not a question that we got as part of um as part of this episode, but it was a question that I saw posed on Twitter earlier in the week. The the question basically was, are you getting worried about the class of, of 2017? Because there's been so much hype around that around that group for over a year now. We've talked about it so often. And, you know, you, any conversation that centers around Dynasty is probably going to end up talking about those those rookie picks in 2017. But Leonard Fournette has, has been hurt. And when he's played, he hasn't been that good. And, and LSU has been been terrible altogether. Nick Chubb is hurt again, and he hasn't been that great either. He he had that big game. Uh, his first game back uh, was very impressive, but he struggled. Georgia has struggled since then. Dalvin Cook has had a couple of huge games. He's also been shut down a couple of times. The receivers, I think, are impressing. Mike Williams has has been great. Corey Davis has, has uh, lived up to the hype, I think. It's just coming to light that maybe, you know, we've overhyped this 2017 class, which a lot of people have said, but, you know, you just see see those stars and you get so excited to get those guys on your team or, or even have the chance to get them on your team. But that's, you know, that's something we have to consider over the next few months is maybe this class isn't, uh, you it's know, an elite. Bullet- yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's not bulletproof like so many people 
have thought, ourselves included at times. You know, like obviously, right? You know, you know more about it than I do, but you'd rather take the the class of 2014 with Beckham and Evans and Landry and you know, all those guys, right? I mean, oh yeah, I mean those. Yeah. those wide I mean, that's a great class. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, the ones for the most part, the ones we thought would be great have been great, and the ones we thought would be okay have been great. So it's um, it would be really tough to top that class, even even just the wide receivers alone. All right, let's move on right now. Uh, Caleb Dellinger wants to know specifically, Matt, your thoughts on Sammy Watkins. He's another guy that we've both been a big fan of. He mentions maybe some X's and O's that you've uh, noticed from him that you know that could be helpful in his evaluation going forward. I guess he's staying on the field. <laughs> I mean, he only has one negative to me is he's never on the field and he's hurt all the time. I mean, I love the player. I thought he was a better prospect than Odell coming out of school, as most people did. I thought he was an utterly elite player uh, prospect, one of the best receiver prospects I've ever seen. Uh, that's when I was at ESPN, and I think you're familiar with Casey Joyner. You know, he's the football scientist, and he does great work. He was just starting to get into college metrics and things, and he had never seen anyone like like Sammy coming out of school. Just that, the total package with the metrics and everything you can imagine. He just needs to stay on the field. Uh, I don't have anything else really to add to that one. I mean, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be in that conversation like we were talking about Mike Evans at the beginning of the podcast. So you, you haven't seen anything when he has been on the field that, you know, that concerns you as far as his style of play, his route running, everything looks, uh, I guess, is living up to expectations on that front. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's an odd offense to kind of evaluate, especially last year, because they were super, super dependent, whether it was Tyrod Taylor's arm, legs, or McCoy's legs, or Watkins. They were they created an inordinate, inordinate, inordinate amount of big plays, and that didn't carry over, um, partially because Watkins isn't there. But, you know, they're not a consistent move-the-chains rhythm offense, you know, like the Saints or something like that. So, But still, I mean, the big plays are there. He gets tons of targets. He's a mismatch. Uh, I have no concerns with him except for one. The fantasy seer wants to know, he, wa- he wants us to think about going back to that 17 class, all those running backs that could be flooding the NFL and potentially stealing jobs. He gives us an over-under of six of running backs who are not in danger of losing significant touches to those rookie running backs. We'll talk about some specifics in just a second, but just off the top of your head, would you say over or under six running backs in the NFL who are 100% safe, don't have to worry about losing touches to that class? Hmm. I mean, like, I'm sitting here in Pittsburgh, and I'm going, Le'Veon Bell, well, He's a free agent at the end of the year. So might there be a different guy in Pittsburgh? I mean, no matter where Le'Veon Bell is, he's not going to be in jeopardy of losing touches, and whether it's in Pittsburgh or somewhere else. Elliot, Gurley, you know, like I would be shocked if Seattle takes one. You know, I mean, if you really scroll the league. But I think it's a good point. I mean, just look at the NFC East. The Cowboys aren't going to take one, but the other three could. You know, the other three could take a back very high and make them their immediate starter. Could it happen in Carolina? Sure. Could it happen in Tampa? Probably not. Probably not in New Orleans. Probably not in Atlanta. 
but to come up with actual names of running backs, I think you have to mention teams more than you say names. Well, let's just run through every team. So the Ravens, let's assume it's Dixon. You know, that's that's totally up in the air. We haven't even seen him, but he, he certainly has a chance to win the job going forward. The Bills with McCoy, I would say he is not safe. You know, another year older, no. I think he'll be 29 next year, I think. They really have nothing behind him, so they could add one. Uh, the Bengals duo, if you kind of view them as one, they're probably safe. I don't think I'd be shocked them if the are. Bengals used a high pick on a running back. Uh, the Browns. You know, no, they're safe. Is, Although the Browns have surprising. so many picks. You know, the Browns are going to bring in 15 guys in the rookie class. One of them could be a prominent running back, but I doubt it. I mean, they have so many other needs. I would criticize them if they used a high pick on a running back. Crowell's playing well. Duke's a good player. Yeah. The Broncos have Anderson and Booker, probably safe. Yep. Houston with Miller should be safe after that contract. The Colts yep. have to add have to add somebody. Yes. Uh, they've got Gore and, and not much else. Um, I don't think it would be surprising if even if Gore retired after this year. So the Colts will draft somebody. I think the Jaguars draft somebody. You know, our, your guy Yeldon not getting it done. Ivory is, has been injured and hasn't played well since he's come back. What about the Chiefs? Charles, Ware, West? Maybe, but I think they really, and rightfully so, like Ware. And I think Ware will be their starter in 2017. Okay. The Dolphins are a mess. Foster is hurt. They tried to yeah. go with this four running back rotation. Which that could be Leonard Fournette there. I mean, they, yeah, that didn't end well. They they've got to go after one of the one of the big names. Uh, the Patriots, I would not expect to spend an early pick. They're just going to piece it together, and it's going to work. Whatever they do. Yeah. The Jets, Forte and Powell probably could add somebody. You've mentioned the Raiders in the past that you think they're a prime prime team to add a big name. Absolutely. I mean, they might be at the top of my list. Them in Washington, I think, could be really high on the list of could would be actively trying to use their first round pick on a stud. Okay. The Steelers, you know, it's obvious there. They either keep Bell and they don't need they don't need a big running back, or they lose Bell and and they get desperate. Uh, Gordon is looks great for San Diego. No issues there. The Titans have Henry and they Murray. Right. Yeah. Washington, you already mentioned, we're moving over to the NFC. The Bucks, Martin and Sims should be Seems good. unlikely, Martin, yeah. yeah. They need so many other things. If it's wide receiver, running back, take a wide receiver. Seattle, Rawls, Michael, Procise, probably not. Probably not. 49ers, Hyde, not much else behind him. They probably add somebody, maybe not a starter. The Eagles will add someone, I would think. I would um, think, maybe. yeah. Matthews is already having injury issues and uh, a bigger bag. Right. Darren Sproles is, is getting up there. He could, he could be done at any time. Although he, he continues to be one of the fastest guys in the, in the league. It's crazy. The giants have to draft somebody unless, unless Paul Perkins ends up being the guy. I don't think he's really in every down back. They could go for a bigger guy too. You know, Perkins could be the new Vereen and they need a Jennings replacement. What about the saints? They've got Ingram. He has not had a good year. I like him, though. I mean, I would think it – maybe, but I would think they're more of – use a fifth-round pick on a running back and use the first four picks all on defense. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's – the other thing that's crossing my mind when we're having this conversation is, like, 
boy, they have so many other needs. Like, yeah, it'd be nice to add a running back just looking at the running back stable, but does that mean you just don't bring any pass rushers in if you're the Saints and try to win 40 to 38 every week again? That hasn't worked well this week or this no. year. <laughs> no. Uh, the Vikings don't have a ton of needs, but they do have a need at running back. They'll draft somebody. Yeah. Um, I doubt Peterson. Could, could be the end of Peterson there. The Rams should not, uh, at least not anybody to threaten Gurley. The Packers, Lacey is a free agent. Starks has is, is not been the Starks that we saw a year ago. He hasn't really helped. Uh, they could they could certainly decide to move on from Lacey and just grab a running back. No question. The Lions, that's one. I struggle with that one. You know, Abdullah, Riddick, Dwayne Washington. I, I don't know if any of those guys are, you know, are the answer for them. They need a big back, and if, if by chance Dwayne Washington shows in the next three months he could be that guy, then no. Otherwise, I think you try to get the next Jordan Howard. You know what I mean? A, a third, fourth-round guy that's a power player. The Cowboys have Elliott. Uh, the Bears have Lankford and Howard. You know, I guess kind of a similar situation to Baltimore. Uh, Howard has a chance to, to claim that job over the next, you know, next few months. Otherwise, they could they could certainly add someone. The Panthers, we already mentioned, have to. Yeah, I hope the Falcons. So. Falcons probably Down have the it. best. Yeah, they have the probably the best running back duo in the league with Freeman and Coleman, and then the Cardinals have David Johnson. They'll probably right. add a, a backup type there. Again, another team looking for a big. So, uh, going back to his number of six, twelve teams maybe that wouldn't be. Yeah. In the yeah, market for a while? Probably over, but... Right. You know, like the Bears, it'd be easy to say, yeah, they could use a running back. You know, Leonard Fournette would look great there or whoever, but they have so many other needs. You know, like, you have to be in a pretty good situation as a team to say, I'm going to use a first or second round pick on a running back. All right. This will be our last question, Matt. Uh, we'll wrap up with this one. Dangle wants to know, do you ever doubt your entire fantasy football philosophy? How much or what specifically has to happen to change philosophy? So I've talked on here before about when I started playing, you know, everybody was taking running backs, not in the first round, but I remember kind of laying out this map and and every startup draft I did was basically the same, that I would start with four running backs with my first four picks. I would then take a quarterback in the fifth, and then I would start taking some wide receivers and tight ends. And, which, you know, that just sounds ludicrous now. If you weren't playing 10 years ago, that that has to sound like just a, a crazy strategy. And, you know, at some point, almost everybody figured out that was a crazy strategy. We're taking these running backs that got hurt more than players at other positions. The NFL changed, of course, as well with more committees and backup running backs use, being used more as pass catchers. So that almost forced a change in philosophy where – wide receivers were valued more. Listen, I like this one. What do you think? Does you Do you ever doubt your fantasy football philosophy? Sort of. You know, like a couple of leagues I'm in, I'm not doing real well. And it sounds like that's a theme around everywhere, but somebody's doing well. I mean, if, you know, if somebody's winning games. Um, but a lot of things we thought, you know, like to be open to show that, you know, you believed in with the league and this fantasy in general are not coming to fruition right now. But a better suggestion is kind of like how you were saying. I haven't been playing Dynasty as long as you have. But when you and I started this podcast, that was like the first of the year. So we've been doing it about 10 months now, 10 glorious months. And 
I was very much under the impression that everyone knows that the the UTH way, you know, the receivers like crazy, youth, and I still very much believe that. But because of so many of the great guests we've had on here, I'm more open to, yeah, maybe I'll trade for that older guy. Or, you know, there's so many good people that we've had on as guests that I've learned so many different ways of looking at the same project that I think it's made me a better, more receptive, more open owner. And therefore, you should all listen to Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, so there's certainly more ways more ways to win than just one or more ways to win than just, just our way or the UTH way or, or any, yeah. any one philosophy. That's not the only one. I think what – I don't know if it changes my philosophy, but it at least makes me – question my decisions is just when the regular season starts you know you you spend this entire offseason building this pretty roster and and you know you've got these guys that have been hyped all offseason and this is what they're supposed to do and and all these things and then the regular season starts and guys like marvin jones and Kristen michael who you know Crowell. and isaiah crowell are are suddenly you know game winners and and maybe even league winners and, and, and I'm sitting and, here on my roster with Funchess and Perryman and Lockett, and I don't want to start any of them week four. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I think it's really tough when you do a, you do a startup draft and you get to week one, and you, this guy you took in the second round, you don't feel comfortable starting him. You know, that's – Kevin White. Right. That's, uh, you know, that's maybe when – well, even even Treadwell. You know, Treadwell was right, the second right, rounder. Right, right. Um, he didn't have the chance to start him. He's not even active some weeks. And the guy um, you play beats you by 50. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, so, oh, boy, great. That doesn't mean I'm I'm completely turning my back on, you know, on that philosophy. I, that's, I call that the productive struggle, and I've written about that. That doesn't mean that's wrong or it can't work. But once you get into that, you know, into the regular season and you want to win, even though that maybe was not the plan you had in mind, it can change things pretty quickly. Especially when there's a couple ducats on the line. Like, hey, I could maybe win, you know. I'm not playing this for fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> again, that's that's when reality kind of hits home as well. All right, well, thanks, Matt, for answering these questions. We had a lot of good ones. No, thank you. We had uh, even more than we could answer. So, as always, we're we're glad to answer questions on Twitter. Just hit us up anytime. We'll do more of these shows in the future. Uh, we'll have a guest back on next week and continue this Dynasty talk. Go to iTunes. Leave us some feedback. Might as well. That's right. That's right. What we else appreciate you that. Yeah. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.